Bryony's Dilemma by Aliciana Noir. Art Corp, Area 18, outside Sleep Pod Barracks Number 21. Fog laps at the edges of a dimly lit street. Debris turns to mush in shallow pools of rain. Vermin scurry, snatching morsels from overflowing trash bins. A neon marquee flickers intermittently, then fades to black before restarting. Letters scroll by identifying Pod Barracks 21, a row of nondescript cement towers. You're asleep inside Sleep Pod 16. Over the hum of the air recycler, you hear the rat-a-tat of raindrops pelting the pavement outside. Ugh, just what you need. Your chest rumbles when you breathe. You shiver and wipe beads of sweat off your forehead. Not yet. More sleep. Exhaustion drags you back under. Your eyelids clamp shut. Heavy as a stone, you plummet into blackness. Time stands still until... Beep! 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 A loud beeping ricochets around the pod. You flay a hand over your exposed ear as if swatting a mosquito. Yawning, your wits begin knitting themselves back into place. Alarm clock. You groan. Your stomach grumbles. From muscle memory, you whack the button on the panel overhead. Silence. Ah, sweet, sweet snooze. Curling into a ball, you grab a fistful of blanket and drift back to sleep. Precisely 15 minutes after hitting the snooze button for the second time, your sleeping palate begins to vibrate. Muscles and joints protest. You groan, but can't afford to be late. Gingerly, you roll over onto your back, turn off the alarm, and flip on the lights. You take a moment to wake up more fully and gain your bearings. You're in a stark white, claustrophobia-inducing fiberglass tube. Pinpricks in the ceiling cast diffused light. Cubby holes of varying sizes line the curved side walls. Your UEE dog tag and Moby glass are in the cubby closest to you. Yesterday's uniform and work boots are in a heap at your feet. Propped on an elbow, you grab your dog tag and slip it over your head and clip your Moby glass to your wrist. You inch toward the pod's entrance by sliding on your butt. Before deactivating the door lock with your heel, you check to make sure that your PJs are still snapped shut. The pod door hisses as it retracts. You scoot into a sitting position, your legs dangling out over the edge of the sleeping pod. Your slippers are hanging on a nearby hook. You mindlessly put them on while rummaging in the wardrobe inset in the wall on your right. You hop down into the growing throng of residents prepping for the 0500 shift change. They're in various states of undress. You nod mourning to familiar faces, fellow transients and low-wage workers at an industrial facility or landing dock here on ArtCorp. You check that you have everything you need to get going. A bathroom kit is wedged under your right arm, work boots attached by their laces slung over the opposite shoulder. A freshly laundered uniform is on a hanger in your right hand. When you turn to head toward the restrooms, you see Naomi. Punctual to a fault, she's already dressed in the drab and common olive-colored jumpsuit you all wear. Waving a hand back and forth, you croak out her name once, twice. Naomi! 
Naomi! It takes her a moment to figure out who's calling her name. When she realizes it's you, she smiles and heads your way. What's doing? Her voice is light and cheerful. Curse her, it's too early to be so chipper. Nothing much, heading to the salt mines. You hold up your uniform as evidence. She laughs. Ouch! Still shuffling crates, you nod in disgust. Her mouth puckers as if tasting something sour. Damn, short an experience, but you've got certs. You're seized by a coughing fit just as you're about to reply. You have to clear your throat a couple of times before you can speak again. Tell me about it. As your coughing continues, her face takes on a yikes look. That sounds nasty. She mockingly takes a step back. Taking anything? Didn't want to spend the creds. Trying to get out of this dump. At least get a real room. She laughs. You and me both. She adopts a more serious tone. Still salty, I never got moved into the manager dorms like my contract says. But who the hell am I going to complain to? You rub your throat, which is starting to burn. Exactly. I don't push because it could be worse. We dropped a hundred freshies last week. No warning. No free ride off the world like the contract says. They're basically screwed. Punching you on the shoulder, she adds, these days, steady creds, couple of meals, and a bed is the dream. Pointedly looking around, you reply in disgust. Yeah, it's the dream, all right. Inside, you're disappointed with yourself and your situation. Most of all, your stupid choices that landed you here in the first place. Naomi's voice pulls you out of your reverie. Checking her movie glass, she says, Better get moving. Don't be late. I'll catch you later. You nod in agreement and turn to walk away. As an afterthought, over your shoulder you call out, Grub later? Sure, meet you at the G after the shift. The wait in line for an all-in-one restroom cube was less than five minutes. With the exception of a small mirror above the pull-out wash basin, the interior and all of the fixtures are made of stainless steel. You pull out the toilet to relieve yourself. The smell of the disinfectant used to gag you, but you're used to it now. You wash your hands, face, and splash water under your arms. That's as good as it's getting today. Brushing your teeth, you take a long look in the mirror. You look exactly how you feel. Your cheekbones are more pronounced, body leaner, arms more defined. Wide-eyed wonder has been replaced by dark rings of harsh reality. You run a hand through your severely short haircut. It suits the new you that's evolving. You aren't the same person who eagerly waved goodbye to parents, a comfortable home, and a scholarship because I need adventure in my life before settling down. Come on, Dad, I need to sow some oats. Unfortunately, having your business associates steal your ship, stranding you on Art Corp, wasn't precisely the sowing you had in mind. No way you're going to message home for a handout. Can't hit up your friends either, all of whom are at university with tight pockets of their own. You're better than these first few mistakes. Pointing a finger at the reflection in the mirror, you assert, if Granny made it out here on her own, so can I. Through bouts of coughing, you slide into your jumper and put on work boots. 
you chuck the paper slippers into the recycler and ball up your PJs. Dressed in a clean uniform, you feel a little bit better. You stop by your sleeping pod to grab a plastic laundry bag. The front of the bag is stamped with your UEEID barcode. You shove yesterday's uniform and PJs into the bag. Heading toward the back entrance, you drop the laundry bag down the chute and brace yourself for the weather as you exit the barracks. Towering industrial buildings box you in on all sides, stealing the meager sunlight of an overcast sky. The air is thick with moisture. You shiver as a clammy breeze snakes down the collar of your jumpsuit. You check your Moby. Good. Just enough time to make a quick trip to the Area 18 med unit. As much as you loathe the idea of spending credits, you can't see how you'll make it through the day without something. You mutter to yourself as you approach the medical unit, better not be crowded. Tan walls, shiny floors, and uncomfortably bright lights. They're all the same, medical units. A twinge starts in the pit of your stomach as you enter the triple-wide sliding glass doors. They hiss and whoop as they retract. You wrinkle your nose at the potent antiseptic smell. Instantly, your mind is transported to five years earlier, when you and your parents were frequent visitors of the hospice facility your grandmother was in. Days turned into weeks of visiting every day, watching and waiting for her to die. She lived to a ripe old age, feisty and fearless, roaming the galaxy in a souped-up science ship with Granddad. She even kept at it when he was gone. Seeing her crippled and defeated by age was hard to watch. The remembered loss grabs you by the throat, threatening to suffocate you, the pain of it as lethal today as it was then. Through the throng of people milling around while waiting to be seen, you spot the quick meds dispenser and hurry across the waiting room. Eyes front, you block out everything else around you except the display case. Your nose pressed to the glass, you scan the medical options. What the hell? This is crazy! You contemplate not buying anything. You can tough it out another. Before you can finish that thought, you're seized by a hacking cough that nearly doubles you over. That seals it. You can't afford to be dismissed from the shift altogether. These prices are freaking space lane robbery. You choose a moderately priced antibiotic and a low priced cough suppressant. A 60-40 mixture stem should do it. After confirming your purchase and authorizing payment, the dispenser begins to whir. You hear faint, metallic clicking noises. You anxiously tap your fingers on the glass while watching the progress meter inch toward ready. When it's done, a metal drawer slides open from the bottom of the dispenser. You grab the package and go. On your way out of the sliding glass doors, you pop the top off the stem, exposing the head with its pin cushion of needles. You quickly jab it into the left side of your neck. Wincing, you say, this shit better work. Walking briskly through the growing crowd of pedestrians, you arrive at loading dock J42 with a few minutes to spare. You hurry up the stairs, turn right, and swipe your ID to open the security gate. A freelancer Max is parked on the landing pad. Quasar is painted with gold metallic swirls encircling the letters like a tornado. 
you recognize the ship and its captain. He unloads cargo here a few times a week. The Quasar is one of the smaller ships you can expect to be unloading today. With its elongated forward cabin, slightly bigger than the neck on which it rests, the Lancer has always reminded you of pictures you've seen of tortoises found on Earth. Not an attractive shape for a ship in your eyes, but you're not going to complain by starting with a small ship today. You walk forward to join your co-workers who are standing around Zone Manager Roderick. You put on your work gloves as he begins speaking. He's a no-nonsense ex-military guy with a booming voice. Listen up. He waits for silence. We have a newly registered Connie arriving on platform J-45. It's going to take a bit longer to process this one. To stay on schedule, I'm going to switch things up. Roderick checks his Moby before continuing. I'm leaving a few freshies behind here to process the Max. This one's business as usual, boys. He points over his shoulder to the man standing by the ship's cargo bay. You all know Captain Shuzen. You look to where Roderick is pointing to see the captain talking in a huddle with his crew. Roderick checks his Moby again and begins calling out names. Bryony as cargo inspector. What? What? That's you. You hesitate. When you don't move, Roderick looks up and calls your name again. Co-workers standing nearby give you the, are you stupid look? You gain your composure. Sir, yes sir, I'm here. You separate from the crowd and walk forward. Thomas, the actual inspector for J-42, gives you a what-the-fuck look. You shrug in his direction. Roderick calls out the rest of the assignments. Thomas has been assigned to lead the team processing the new Connie. Damn, you're jealous of that one. You'd rather be unloading crew and getting a chance to see inside of a Connie than leading the team processing a tortoise. When all said and done, you have three cargo movers assigned to you. You're a little bit excited since this is your first time leading a crew. Roderick hands you the Inspector Moby and says, You know your way around this, right? You nod your head. Yes, sir. He continues. The ship manifest, travel log, and cargo list are all loaded. I want this done quickly. An Aurora CL is scheduled to touch down in 30. I want the Max gone before it arrives. Everyone nods their head. As Roderick is about to step away, Thomas comes forward. Sir, I think I should stay here to help make sure this gets processed quickly. I can walk Bryony through it and join the J-45 team right after. Roderick looks surprised, but not annoyed by the interruption. Bryony can handle it. I need you with the other team. The first time for a new captain or new ship is a full inspection, as you well know, he says with an admonishing tone. It's going to take more time, and I'm not having my schedule jacked up over it. Thomas starts to speak again, but Roderick cuts him off. Is there a problem? You look at Thomas quizzically, wondering, what's your problem, man? There's a long silence. Thomas's eyes cut toward the max. You and Roderick both notice and look in that direction, too. Thomas looks away quickly. No, nothing. Just trying to make sure regular customers get good service. Roderick claps Thomas on the back. Captain Chuzin's not going anywhere. He'll forgive us a hiccup or two. Looking pointedly at you, he adds, but that's not going to happen, is it? 
You stand up a little straighter and add a little bit of bass to your voice. No, sir, it'll be like clockwork, sir. Excellent. Roderick slaps you on the shoulder and walks away with Thomas, his shoulder slumped, trailing behind. Scanning through the manifest, you notice a discrepancy between the ship logs and the approved route plan. The log shows an unscheduled stop in Cathcart. Probably just an oversight, last-minute change of plans, you shrug. Around you, the team is preparing to unload cargo. Joey, a hefty bald guy in his early thirties, is hoisting himself into a mech suit. He handles the heavier crates. The suit hydraulics hiss and clank as he stretches and retracts the arms and tests rotating the hand clamps. The other two, Ron and Ayla, grab hover carts for the smaller crates. The platform vibrates under your feet as Joey lumbers toward the freelancer. You head toward Captain Shuzen. You approach the captain of the quasar, your hand extended in greeting. His meaty hand grabs yours and gives it a quick shake. Captain Shuzen's hair, wide sideburns, and beard are meticulously trimmed. His hands are callous-free with manicured nails. No bruises, no tats mar his skin. If not for the quasar jumpsuit, you'd mistake him for the office type, not a space trucker. Morning, Captain. I'm Bryony. I'll be overseeing your inspection and unloading today. Captain Shuzen is staring off in the direction Roderick and Thomas went. Where's Thomas going? He usually handles my ships. Keeps it quick, simple, suits our schedule. He's helping Roderick with a new Connie coming in on LZJ-45. Adding more confidence to your voice, you continue, we'll get you done just as fast. Distractedly, Captain Shuzen replies, Sure, kid, let's get moving. Excellent. Flipping through the screens on the Inspector Moby, you continue. One thing to clear up first. You raise the Moby up so the captain can see the display. There seems to be a discrepancy between your ship log and your approved flight plan. You now have the captain's full attention, but his only reply is a grunt. You continue. It's showing an unscheduled stop in Cathcart. Ship appears to have docked at Spinward for roughly two hours. Isn't that part of your company's no-fly zone regulations? Rethinking how that might have come out, you say. Not that it's our business. We just have to perform a different kind of inspection. Shuzen's eyes narrow, and his silence makes you nervous, but you press on. Because of, you know, the kind of stuff that happens in unprotected space. Robberies, contraband. Emphasizing this isn't an uncommon situation, you say. Not a big deal on our end, just different forms, and can sometimes take a little longer but we'll still get you out of here in about the same time as usual. Captain Chuzen is staring you up and down like sizing up an opponent. You don't want to be his opponent. You just want to get his work done quickly. Beads of sweat start forming on your forehead as the silence stretches out. Are the meds you took earlier wearing off? You wipe your forehead on the back of your sleeve. Clearing your throat, you suggest... Did you have an emergency? If you can just state the reason and add it to your official logs, I can resync and get the inspection rolling. 
pointing toward the ship you add, we're already starting to unload. This really isn't a big deal. Like flipping a switch, the captain gives you a wry smile and puts his arm around your shoulder and pulls you in close. You're not pleased by the gesture, which violates what you consider your personal space, but you go with it since he's talking. You see, it's like this. He continues in a conspiratorial tone. Sometimes when we're ahead of schedule, we like to take a break, blow off some steam, stretch our legs, have something better than space rations. His tone is nonchalant. We may wander off course a bit for the recreation. He steps back and waves his hand in a it's-not-a-big-deal manner and continues. No harm, no foul. You're surprised they could get away with that undetected. I mean, it's in the ship's logs. That's how you know they went to Cathcart. You scratch your head in confusion. But, Captain, that stuff shows up in the ship logs. Not by the time we go back for inspection, he laughs. Forgot to take care of it before hitting Stanton, in more of a hurry than usual. He flicks his thumb off the end of his nose and winks at you. You've got no reasonable response to that explanation, like, what the hell? But he cuts you off. You get paid extra to unload ships faster? No, sir. See what I mean? Me and the boys stopped in Cathcart for a bit of a stretch. Have a real meal, planet side. We don't report it because we don't want anyone getting the idea to add more stops on our route. Beaners love more work same pay, stiffing sieves like you and me. Your throat is starting to itch. You want to cough, but Captain Shuzen is still leaning in too close. You cough right in his face. Another beat of uncomfortable silence follows as you hold back your cough and really have no idea what to say to him. It's not even your job, kid. You want the hassle of more forms to complete? You clear your throat and swallow the urge to cough. Not really. I actually haven't seen those forms before myself, kind of above my pay grade. There's an echo of resentment in your voice. Shuzen seizes on it. See what I mean? That's my point exactly. More work, same pay. That last bit got you thinking that maybe he's right. You nod your head slowly at first. You're right. A little something extra for today could have replaced what you spent on medicine this morning or get you more to help you sleep better tonight or even maybe a full meal for a change. Is that really too much to ask, you say to yourself? But you're sure nothing extra is coming your way for acting as inspector on this ship. So you shrug your shoulders and concur. Like you said, not my real job anyway. Captain Chuzen claps you on the shoulder. What's your ID, kid? I'll shoot you some creds as a thanks. It's tempting, but you know that's strictly against regulations and could cost you your job if anyone found out. Shit as it is, it's still a job, and it's the company that should be compensating you for doing the extra work. Shaking your head, you say, no, not necessary. Let me hurry up with the inspection, then I'll validate the offloaded cargo and get you on your way. Relaxed and jovial, Shuzen replies, great, going to stretch my legs and throw back one at the G-lock. Buzz me when you're done. Sure thing, won't be long. Walking up the rear ramp into the primary cargo bay, you nod as you pass Joey. 
He's busy stacking three crates vertically on top of each other, and they're not lined up all that well. You wonder what he's about until you notice that Ayla is coming up behind you. Ayla's the new kid on the block. For a quick second, it stings that no one tries to get your attention anymore. But then you remember you don't want that kind of attention anyway. Alia is still into being who she was before she landed here, the ass end of Stanton. Well, near it anyway. From what you've heard, Hurston is even worse with its pea soup smog and shortage of living accommodations. Rumor has it workers have resorted to sharing sleeping cubes. You pull a face at the mere thought. You turn your attention back to Joey. If that falls and gets damaged, you better have another gig lined up. Rod will have your ass. Joey laughs and raises his voice unnecessarily. I got this, kid. Gonna help you get it in in record time. You know I'm the best mech operator we got. You watch Joey glance to the side to see if Alia is paying him any attention. She's not. She's stacking smaller crates over on the hover cart, scanning them as she goes. Realizing Alia isn't going to pay him any attention, Joey resumes his normal speaking voice. We do this super fast and maybe Rod will give you this zone. Stick Thomas somewhere else. While that would be music to your ears, if they officially bumped you up, why would Joey care? You ask him. Nice for me. Why do you care? Maneuvering himself down the ramp, he replies, I ain't gonna get it. And something about old Tommy boy don't sit right. Count close and see what you make of it. To yourself, you think, you're not really a fan of Thomas either. He's always hunched over like he's trying to fold in on himself. And there's something about his eyes. They're beady and always darting around like a trapped rodent. Beyond that, though, you don't know of any wrong that he's done. And what did Joey mean by that last comment? Count close. You want to ask him... But he's out of earshot now and there's no time to waste. You've got a job to do and just enough time to do it. You do a perfunctory scan of the main and secondary cargo bays, swiping the radar wand across the walls, ceiling, and floor as you go. When the door to the crew cabin swishes open, you're surprised by the cleanliness. The bunk beds inset into the walls on each side have been made, more or less, the random personal items stashed in the cubbies look fairly neat, and you're instantly jealous of the personal spectrum LCDs hung above each bed. Continuing to move forward, you notice that immediately after the sleeping berths, there is a toilet-shower combo on one side and a cramped single-counter kitchenette on the other. Standing in the middle of the aisle, you can almost touch the door to the commode and the food preparation station on the other side. That must make for some interesting situations. You thought your accommodations were small. You're not eating and shitting within arm's reach. But the truth is, you'd switch places in a heartbeat to get out of here. You continue casually scanning your surroundings. So far, the ship has a clean bill of health. You expect to encounter the same as you enter the flight deck. When the door opens onto the flight deck, you stand there for a moment, taking it all in. You remember the pride and elation of piloting your own ship. And this one is not too shabby. Not too shabby indeed. You might not like the look of the ship from the outside, but the interior is definitely winning you over.
The flight deck contains four high-back cushy seats, perfect for long-hop travel. There's one for a pilot, co-pilot, and two additional passengers. The Quasar's been around the verse a few times, but the components show very little wear and tear. They're substantial, meaty, like an oversized breakfast. Damn, you've always got food on your mind. You check the time on your Moby, still 15 minutes to spare. You step down to the pilot's seat and survey the instrumentation. You wistfully glide your hand above the controls. Feeling a bit audacious, you slide into the pilot's seat. The dash is massive, with slots for personal storage, a beverage holder, small firearms, whatever. The field of view reminds you more of a ground vehicle or passenger transport ship, but you sort of like it. The struts are thick and blocky, which makes sense for an industrial ship with a reputation of long, reliable years of service. Definitely a step up from the aurora that you got swindled out of, leaving you stranded on Artcorp, scrapping for survival. All call comes through on your Moby. You almost jump out of your skin. You answer, Bryony here. It's Joey. Cargo's in the transport hangar. Great, it's going good here. I'm coming out. You exhale, time to hop back to it. You walk briskly through the cabins, your footsteps echoing in the now empty ship. You break into a jog when you hit the rear exit ramp. You head over to the transportation hangar, just a fancy name for the section of the landing pad that has a protective tarp over it and is reserved for pickups. Two Arc Corp carrier trucks are standing by to collect cargo and transport them to their next destinations. Joey, still in his mech suit, is standing by the first stack of cargo. Record time, he brags. Stacked, scanned, and trans-ID'd. Need your SIG, and it's done. Cool. We killed it with time to spare. Thanks. You mock bump fists with his mech hand. As you quickly survey the piles, you notice one crate a good distance from the rest. Rowan and Alia are approaching. You point to the lone crate. To no one in particular, you ask... Why's that one all the way down there? Alia shrugs. Rowan and Joey look at each other. Joey answers. That one? The blue big box crate always goes there. Thomas has us separated out for special delivery. You screw up your face and cock your head to the side. Really? You don't recall having seen that in the past. Are you sure? Rowan and Joey nod in agreement. But that seems odd. Big Box is one of the more expensive and secure storage containers from Store All. They're tough specialty crates. They have a titan-grade metal exterior and a ribbed body skeleton and cushion super-enforced ablative rubber interior. They're used for special fragile cargo, things that are really important. Still confused, you scan through the Quasar cargo manifest. Nothing but common ship components and raws. You don't see anything that would warrant the big box. Worse, you don't see the container itself listed in the inventory. So why is it here? Why is it being set aside? Noticing the consternation on your face, Roan shrugs his shoulders. Even through the padded jumpsuit you all wear, he looks starved, as if a sudden breeze would blow him off the platform. Been doing this for months, Bry. That crate from Quasar always goes there. You just never notice. You don't ever operate the mech suit or come up here to talk to Thomas while he's doing the sign-off. It's legit, according to him. 
He points his thumb over his shoulder. Just go with the flow. We're done with time to spare. Let's catch a quick break. Rod had a point. If you call it now, you'll beat the best unloading time for the quasar for the quarter. But something is itching at the back of your brain. Sure, you'll take a break. I'll call it in. You check your Moby. Ten minutes left to spare. You watch the team walk away, chatting amongst themselves. Joey is pulling up the rear, clomping along in the mech suit. Just before entering the employee-only habitue that's next to the platform steps, Joey turns back to you. He puts a hand up in the air with his fingers splayed open, then starts folding them down one by one. You flip your hands palms up and shrug, what? Slowly, he pops each finger back down. Then it hits you. He's counting. Oh. Oh. Your eyes bulge. When he realizes you get his meaning, he shoots you a thumbs up and you do the same in return. Like puzzle pieces, things fall into place, forming an uncomfortable idea. An unscheduled stop. Thomas and Captain Chuzen concerned about who was going to do the inspection, an unlisted crate set aside for special delivery. You curse under your breath. Really? I need this shit? Then again, it doesn't have to be your problem if it's been going on for months. You can sign off and it will be business as usual. You walk over to the container. It's too big to sneak past passenger security, but small enough to fly under the radar of someone carting it off from here. You pass over it with the scanner. Nothing detected. You use your temporary inspector code to fiddle with the settings, changing it to a higher-grade scan. Still nothing. They could be using scan protection tech. Now the idea of taking the few extra credits Shuzen offered is sounding good. But are you that desperate? You note the chills are slowly starting to return as the meds you took this morning wear off. Still, aren't these the same kind of people that tricked you into disengaging your ship's transponder code before stealing it and dumping you here? And if Shuzen and crew get caught, it will be too easy to trace if he's made payments to any art court personnel. That's not the kind of mess you want to get mixed up in. Sign off and mind your business. Whatever's inside is eluding detection by the equipment they gave you. Wash your hands of it. Maybe Roderick will suggest a little something be thrown your team's way for beating the standing record. Anything, any little gesture will help you out. On the Inspector Moby, you access the cargo authorization file for the Quasar. You tap it once to display the Inspector Outcomes section. You press your thumbprint in the inspector authorization code slot. You inhale and hold your breath as your finger hovers over green for inspection pass. Your heart thuds in your ears as your finger is poised to tap the green button. At the last second, you slide it over and press yellow, failed, and then red, possible contraband detected. Feeling lightheaded, you back up and flop down on the nearest crate. Head in hands, you ask yourself, why, Bri, why? But you know the answer. Right is right and wrong ain't. 
Your Moby emits the three-beat signal for priority message. It's from Roderick. It reads, On my way with security, do not move. You're alone, sitting at a table in the back left corner of the G-Lock, a popular bar in Area 18. Well, the only bar, actually. You have a raggedy cap you grabbed out of the lost and found at work, pulled forward to obscure your face. The orange murky lighting helps you fade into the background of the bar. Your eyes unfocused, you stare at the holographic menu hovering above the tabletop. Music is booming, your leg is shaking, but not in time to the song that's blaring out of the speakers. Every time you hear the door swish open, you crane your neck forward looking for Naomi. Damn, she's usually punctual to a fault. Another group of loading dock workers saunter in. You look away and slouch down into your seat. Area 18 is a big place, but news like yours will travel quickly. Never in a million years could you have anticipated Roderick's reaction or what had ensued when he arrived with security in tow. Caught daydreaming, you're startled by the sound of someone flopping down into the seat opposite you. It's Naomi. Relief washes over you. Then you notice she's glaring at you with an oh-my-God look on her face. Clearly, she's heard something. No hello or a preamble. What the frack happened? She asks in a hushed tone. Then she leans in, waiting for a reply. You lean back, shaking your head. So you heard. Pretty sure most have. Went to your sleeping cube, saw goons hanging outside your door, then remembered we were meeting here. Well, that sucks. Not much in there worth having, but still. She looks like she wants to shake you silly. Well, what the hell happened? You inhale. I'm actually starting to think that I'm a bit of a drama magnet, you say with a wry smile. That puts a small one on her face, too. She crosses her arms, leans back into the booth. You just might be, she agrees. You probably already know that I got assigned as temporary inspector on J-42. Things were going good, finished early, except for two hiccups. The ship had an unplanned stop on Cathcart and an unlisted container. New ship? New crew? Nope, regulars. I initially fell for the excuse for the unscheduled stop. Naomi shrugs. It happens. Crew has things to do that aren't necessarily the company's business. Flying the company's ship? Another shrug. On time, cargo intact, who cares? Yeah, I can get with that, and I was willing to let that part slide, right up until I'm told that setting aside a particular container is a routine thing, something Thomas manages as a special request. Okay, now we're moving into shaky territory, she agrees. Exactly, so... But this is Art Corp. Who cares? Not like the Corp is doing us any favors. True. There's that. I'll give you that. And I nearly let that slide, too. It's Art Corp where fucking the likes of us over is on someone's daily to-do list. 
You lean forward, more intensity in your voice. But what happens if today of all days that special delivery gets policed in transit and they track it back to the inspection? The possible ramifications dawn in Naomi's eyes. You'd be fracked as what? You nod in agreement, and then some. So at the last second, I called it in. Still don't understand how you ended up fired for it. Her mouth slants down, and she has a sour look on her face. It ain't right. I'm okay with how things turned out. In the end, anyway. You explain how Roderick had arrived in a near rage with the team of security. Joey, Roan, and Alia were coming back just as he showed up. Security put all of you in handcuffs and rushed you off the platform. You were frantic, not understanding what the hell was going on. When you tried speaking to Roderick, he told you to shut up until you were spoken to. You unconsciously rub your wrists, remembering the handcuffs. It was scary and embarrassing being dragged across Area 18 until we reached the security building. I bet. So what happened then? You continue your tale. You'd each been placed in a separate security holding cell. While you were anxiously waiting to speak to someone, anyone, you saw them marching in Thomas in handcuffs, and then the crew from the Quasar a short while later. But they hadn't been in restraints, and in fact seemed to be talking in a carefree manner with Roderick. That worried you. My stomach hit the floor when I saw Shuzen prancing in all full of confidence and Roderick seeming to eat it up. One by one, you saw your team escorted into what you realized later was an interrogation room. You were the last to be taken in and pushed none too gently into a metal folding chair across from a desk with two people on the opposite side, Roderick and a security officer. You explained what you'd seen and done in painstaking detail. You were questioned about your actions repeatedly. When they'd had enough, Roderick asked the security officer to leave the room. Once it was just the two of you, his face softened. He removed the handcuffs, pulled his chair next to yours, and sat down with a sigh. Rough day, kid, and you done good. A look of extreme confusion covered your face. I, I don't understand what's happening. I haven't done anything wrong. It's okay, kid. It's okay. We've had a drug smuggling problem for quite some time. We could occasionally catch the users, but not break into the syndicate managing the operation or figure out how the narcs were arriving. Smiling, he said, you just gave us our first big break. He stood up and paced the small room while he talked. I doubt Art Corp would even care if not for the accidents caused by narked-up workers. It messes with their safety ratings and slows down production. You nod your head. You'd heard something about this. I'd heard about two guys losing a limb on the large engine assembly line. Scratching your head, you add, and last week... 
Wasn't there a construction worker who dropped a scaffolding down eight stories over there where they're building the new Galleria? Yeah, got the whole project temporarily put on hold until the safety investigation is over. Stuff like that costs the company hundreds of thousands of creds per incident, and it's adding up quickly. Oh, is all you can think to say. You're still shaken by what's happened. This whole dragging you all in here is for your own safety. We think the group working out of here is rather sophisticated, and we're after the big fish. We're going to be able to nail Shuzen, but we need to find who they work for and who else is falsifying inspections. I want to protect you four, so here's what we're going to do. At this point, Roderick sat down next to you again. He dropped the managerial tone and spoke to you like a friend. He explained that he was going to have your inspection findings scrubbed from the record. He's going to claim that he and security had come by to do a spot check and found the crate themselves, which, by the way, was filled with vials of hallucinogenic narcotics. He's going to say that since it was your first time inspecting a shipment, you were running late and hadn't gotten to validating the offloaded cargo. For your own protection, your team was being given a company-paid transfer to another ARC facility with two weeks' bonus pay. He's leaving Thomas in place, even though they know he's on the smuggler payroll. But now that they know, they can use him to catch the next crew that comes in, and then they'll nab him. Wow, uh, okay, but don't you think they'll catch on? They may think something's up the first few months. They'll be bold enough to restart their operation. Plus, now we know what to look for at the other landing zones and can update the security procedures accordingly. What if they don't use Thomas again? Seems like he's going to get off the hook. We'll be keeping him under close surveillance, Roderick said with a smile. He's not conspiring with them for free, likely used to the extra income. Even if they don't seek him out, he'll no doubt contact them for extra work in due course. You nod your head in agreement. Gotcha. Nervously, you ask, What about me? Do I get the two weeks bonus and transfer option? Your guts twist. You want off this rock, but if it just means dropping you on another where you have to start over, that's not sounding so great. At least here you have a couple of friends and Naomi. The idea of slugging it out alone, again, is depressing. No, I have something different for you in mind. You stop for a moment to gauge Naomi's reaction. Her mouth is gaped open, her neck craned forward in rapt attention. You wonder if she'd miss you as much as you'd miss her. She has such an easy way about her, makes friends easily, always liked and well-respected. You, on the other hand, not so much. You're private, quiet, and often prefer the company of the ideas spinning around in your own head than conversing with others. You keep the friends you gain, but you don't gain new ones very often, which is by choice. You miss home, your friends off at university, and now you'll miss the few that you've made here too. 
You sigh. Naomi kicks your foot under the table over your sudden silence. No stopping now, she exclaims. What's the plan for you? He's worried that the cartel would come around asking me questions and might not be that nice about asking them. They just lost a lot of credits having that crate confiscated. Yeah, those goons outside your door. Exactly. So I have to get gone too, but with a different kind of bonus. Her eyes widen in surprise, seeing the smile on your face. How much? She says in a near shout. Shh! Noticing that the couple at the table next to you glance in your direction. You pull your cap down lower over your face. Oops, sorry. She giggles and her excitement is infectious. You'd been trying not to be too excited, least the rug get pulled out from under your feet. And you'd miss Naomi. Unless... You lean across the table toward her and show her your UEC balance on your Moby. She gasps in surprise, her eyes growing wide. Now you're smiling too and giggling like a child. Whispering, she says, that's leave for good money. In awe, she adds, start over money. Wow, like wow. Or ship money for two? You let the question hang in the air. Naomi's eyes bug out and her eyebrows arch up to her hairline. Me? You take me? Of course. I wouldn't leave you behind. You've been a good friend to me. What would we do? Where would we go? What do you want to do? We can decide together. Your stomach twists, waiting for an answer. You want her to come, to help her out of this place. But you also have selfish reasons, too. You don't want to go back out into the black alone. You have more advanced skills than Naomi, but she's got the life experiences. In your mind, it would be a perfect mix. Naomi flops back into the booth. I need a drink and you're buying, she says with a smile. Holy shit. She sounds happy. Does that mean she's coming? That mean you're in, you ask outright. Oh yeah, I'm in. She nods her head several times for emphasis. Her eyes dart side to side as if working out a problem in her head. Maybe we get you off here tonight. Lay low somewhere cheap to make plans. Relief washes over you. Sounds good to me. Ever been to Terra? It's the most expensive ticket out of here, but lots of resources to figure out what you want to do next. That money won't get you set up in a place like Terra, but it will get you all the supplies you need for whatever. You correct her. The supplies we need. The idea of it makes you giddy and lightheaded. Yeah, what we need, she laughs. Holy frack, I can't even, like, holy shit, we're out of here. <laughs>